Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. If you've got a business question, please come to markrandolph.com. You'll find links there to apply to be a guest on the podcast or to join me in the new That Will Never Work Discord, where you may be able to engage with me directly and ask your question. The wedding industry is worth billions of dollars around the world every year. But despite all the money spent, not everybody makes it to the altar. So why isn't there a breakup industry? Well, that's what this week's guest, Natasha Pearl Hansen, wondered when she split from her fiancé and realized she was in way more need of all those items from her registry now she was single than she had been when they were together. And so she founded MyBreakupRegistry.com. She's got a solid user base, but to go big, she has to infiltrate a market that doesn't really exist yet. So what's the best strategy to get her site to its happy ever after? Let's jump in. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Natasha, welcome to That Will Never Work. Thank you for having me. No, I'm really eager to chat with you. Um, I don't know a lot about what you're working on, but one thing I know is it's one of those businesses that came from personal experience. Yes. You know, I always say one of the best ways to find ideas is to look for pain. And it sounds like that may be the genesis of... uh, of your business. Of what I created? Yeah. Well, give us a sense. Of, uh, where did this come from? What is it? So I'm the founder of uh, MyBreakupRegistry.com. MyBreakupRegistry.com. Yes. I like that already. It is a crowdfunding and gift registry platform for people going through breakups. Um, I had been in a nine-year relationship and engaged and uh, in 2019 was supposed to get married. I was actually supposed to get married in 2018, and we kept moving it and moving it and thinking we would uh, change our mind about how we felt about each other. And a couple weeks before our wedding, it was canceled, and so I shot my first comedy special. I'm a comedian, did you know? And um, uh, shot my comedy special on that day, and then my relationship ended shortly thereafter, and it was pandemic time. So I just sat with my feelings and emotions and created this business. So let me get this right. So nine-year relationship. Yep. You are just about to get married. Yeah. This doesn't sound, though, like a all of a sudden jilted at the altar. It sounds like this was something that you kind of both saw coming. But nevertheless, you were queued up. Invitations were out. Mm-hmm. You, had a, you had a wedding registry and six or seven toasters or whatever the current yep. gift du jour is. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, it's off and you're going, now what? Yeah, it was kind of one of those pivots that you have to do. Um, <laughs> the life I, pivot. Yeah. I had wanted to shoot a special in that year anyway, because I was hitting that kind of 10, 11 years of doing stand-up point. I was like, what am I going to shoot? And it's very much my personality to find something bizarre to do. You know, I performed comedy on islands and in people's private homes. And um, when our wedding was canceled, I was like, well, I got all these people save the dates. Bingo. That's an instant audience. <laughs> I emailed them all sent them all ticket links and was like, now you're going to, instead of buying me stuff, you're going to come support my show. And I sold out and I sold out to the dollar what it cost me to film it, to wow. rally the crew. It was like so serendipitous. We were friends with benefits for four years. So he really lost out on this deal. 
Did you use all, did you have a cake? Did you have a catering and all that my stuff? My mom had my cake made with my solo wedding picture on it <laughs> in like my <laughs> runaway bride style sneakers. <laughs> did you toss a bouquet? Did you do all the that guys? I did at the end. Yep. Oh, One of good my good friends caught it. Okay. But so what was the problem? I mean, what, how is a, what is a website going to do for people who've gone through a breakup? Uh, help me understand what the services you're delivering to people. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out at first. So I went through in 2020 and started really, obviously we were going through a, a global pandemic. Everybody was collectively traumatized and I was being really open about what I was feeling. Sometimes I would story on Instagram and cry and I'd be sitting having wine in a park by myself and I would just tell people what I was going through. And I think it was really um, helpful for people to see somebody struggling uh, in a in a space where there's no, normally so many highlight reels. So I started kind of talking to people about this idea. I started building in public really early, uh, thinking, okay, if this is going to be something I'm going to launch, what are people? What do people need? How can I put this pin in their ear that I'm going to create this? And in the fall of that year, I told people, in the spring, I'm launching. Tell me what kind of features you would look for in something like this. And I really studied Honey Fund, which is the registry I had created my registry for. Honey Fund? Honey Fund. That's a gift, wedding gift registry Wedding site? gift registry. Okay. Weddings and honeymoons. Ah. So I'd been following their journey since Shark Tank for like eight years or so. I love the founder. They didn't even know I was like creeping on their journey, but I think what they built was really smart. So I actually became an investor when they went public. And so I felt like I was creating what will now become the gap from breakup to eventual wedding. So I'm looking to fill- All the rest of the time. Yes, the time <laughs> until the thing that changes your life. And so um, so I did a lot of, you know, polling my audience. Um, I built an MVP with a team that I found in Brooklyn. And uh, we launched, well, I launched in April of 20. Uh, 2021, the day after my comedy special dropped. So about a year and a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And so what does the site do exactly? So is, it, on, is it just place for people to talk about what's going on? No, not yet. I had wondered about creating some sort of environment like that, but social media already is that platform for you. So, that is free. So what is yours? So mine is um, just like a wedding registry. People can go on and register for items that they search for and put in their in their cart or in their basket. Um, so they create an item registry or a gift registry, and they can also crowdfund for an amount. So say they go through a breakup and they're getting kicked out of their place and they need help from their friends and community and family to be able to afford their moving costs. And their moving costs are $2,000. They can set a crowdfunding goal for $2,000, connect all their accounts, um, and then register for like a toaster, maybe a chair, whatever they might need for their place. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling because it is so brilliant and I'm scared to give away what's brilliant about it to people listening. But like, I can't, uh, hey, listen. I'm curious I've what got you to think. be transparent. Yes. So what is brilliant is that there's lots of crowdfunding sites. Yep. Okay. So if I, right now, Mark Randolph went on to a crowdfunding site and said, hey, I really could use another set of tires for my car. Uh, who wants to give me a set of tires? Mm -hmm. People are gonna go, what? <laughs> if, if, you know, if anybody who's a quote unquote normal person mm -hmm. 
goes on a crowdfunding site and says, I can't make my rent. Can you please, someone please give me $500. Someone's going, what? (laughs) No, no way. Right. But what you've created is the, (laughs) I don't know how to describe it in a polite way. This excuse Mm -hmm. for saying, give me something. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's like, I need a new set of tires I just broke up. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Natasha. You're alone now. We, 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 what's, what, what size are they? Want radials? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, what what is self-regulating about it too, um, because people had joked for many years about a singles registry. Well, you have those friends that are perpetually single. You're not going to just support Sally because she just can't get it together <laughs> and find a guy. But when somebody goes through a breakup, you know, you want to be able to help your friends. I wish something like this existed when I was going through mine. I was lost in a shuffle and didn't know what to do. You don't want to just go to a friend and be like, hey, give me $2,000. But you could go to your friends and family you and say- You go to a stranger. <laughs> you, you can go to your friends and family and say, um, hey, maybe if everybody pitched in 40 bucks, you might change my life right now. And who wouldn't do that? I just pitched in for a friend- of something, you know, for something similar recently, I would do that in heartbeat. So I so. love the idea. So tell me, tell me, it's been, it's been going for 14 months. Yes. How's it going? It's been going good. So I've been, I soft launched. So I did what I call, I didn't know a lot of these terms when I was doing them, but it turns out now that I've been studying as an entrepreneur and studying other businesses, I'd been doing a lot of things that had terms attached to them. So I I launched to my audience. I have a pretty sizable social media audience. So I figured, okay, by strict numbers and percentages of people going through breakups, if people start sharing their breakup stories with me, and just like I am with comedy, I love to meet people after a show. I go out and get drinks with them. Like I really like to talk to my audience. And um, so I'm doing that as a founder too. So I was hearing some people's really really heartfelt stories, tough ones, beautiful ones, like just a lot of people sharing their heart with me. And um, so I launched this MVP and had built in certain features that aren't actually live yet. Because, you know, when you're when you're building a when you're building a product, you have this grandiose idea of what this product could become. But you've got to rein it in and keep your MVP pretty simple. So I built the most simplistic, beautiful version of it that I could think of, Um, went through the user experience, cleaned up any bugs, went through the user experience again. Now that people are using it, I have such great data and feedback, and I built in these kind of dummy features to see where people might click if features actually were built in there. So now I'm like, okay, these features spark people's curiosity. Now I know what to... So I I, I will certainly just take this moment to say how great that is, which is, (laughs) no, seriously, that's like... People don't do that. They, they actually will waste the time building out all the features too they can expensive. think of. Yeah. No, it's too expensive. And you really, you're guessing at what people are going to want guessing. or use. And the best possible way to figure out what they're going to want or going to use is doing exactly what you did, which is to fake it yep. and watch and see whether they click on it or not. Yeah. But what I wanted to drill onto, is it actually working? And, and how do you define working? In other words, how much money has been raised how many people have registered to raise money? How many people have donated money? Yep. Um, so there have been, I, I can track certain metrics better than others, um, but most people tend to register for items over money. I think the idea of asking people for money is still a little bit newer. 
Um, but I've gotten upwards of a thousand users on the site in a given month. Users being registrants, people, people who registered for and items. Said, oh, have registered for items. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's been an unsteady kind of cadence because I'm not doing any marketing. Yeah. I, I've bootstrapped completely. I moved in with my parents and lived in their basement for the, the time I was pre-launch so that I could afford to pay for it myself. My grandma actually um, paid for a little of it herself too. She pitched in like a couple grand and like helped me get the MVP built. And uh, so I was really smart about it. Um, and I designed it so that it wouldn't take a lot of money to keep testing what I need to test. So I'm, I'm working my way towards product market fit. And I've been doing these series of very sneaky tests to figure out what will keep people on my platform. And now I have my answers. <laughs> well, I was going to say something else, but you're very good at leading into. Oh. <laughs> no, what, Natasha, what? What is the answer? Um, I feel like founders are always afraid to say that kind of stuff because they're like, what if somebody takes this idea? But I'm not, I'm not even worried about that. Good. Um, you should. So first... The first thing people deal with in a significant breakup is the logistics, right? Stuff, money. Where do I put my stuff? Where do I get some more stuff? How do I get them their stuff back? I'm broke, right? You've just kind of ripped apart two incomes. Second, once that stuff is taken care of, people are left to deal with their emotions. Um, the emotional baggage, the turmoil, the stress, um, a lot of people feel like they are stuck dealing with that alone because nobody wants to hear about your breakup. And there's, you know, I didn't want to create my website to be a forum for people to just spout off about their exes or whatever. Um, so I started looking into other founders who had created very, very smart digital platforms for self-help with this specific niche. So I'm now starting to partner with... Um, with some companies and I have some cool stuff coming out uh, to create these kind of breakout rooms, sessions and exposure to mini group therapy and direct therapy for people. And you'll get referral fees from that kind of thing. Right. And okay. so my business model keeps evolving, um, but also just I'm trying to lead the, the client and the customer on that journey to not only stay on my website, but also heal and get better. Okay, so as I listen, I've, I, I have a reasonably good idea. And of course, I have a million things going through my mind about things I can say or suggest. Sure. And I might just say them or suggest them anyway. Yeah. But I'm, I'll at least ask, is there anything specific that you really would like me to uh, help you with? Yeah, I mean, I have plenty of things. Just you know, pick, I, pick I always one or love two to here. Pick, your, put, yeah. pick your brain. Um, but my biggest thing that I wanted to focus on is uh, strategic marketing. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of skills when it comes to creating clever videos, ads. You know, I work in comedy. I have a plethora of people at my disposal. Um, but I'm, I, I've been really struggling with how to figure out how to target a market like this and if it should be through, like, divorce coaches or, you know, who like a referral program of some kind. Um, so that's one of my biggest questions. Okay. <laughs> All right, interesting. So uh, what's really kind of uh, intriguing is how early you are. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that. So you've been, you've been going for a bit more than a year and your business model is still completely unknown in a way. In a way there's, it's monetized, but I keep, you know, 
my flexibility and my mind is open to just new opportunities that come around. And let's start, let's start then with, with let's start with the business model. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and there's two things that we'll talk about. Uh, the first one is you need to, if you have a business model um, uh, in mind, okay, mm-hmm. you have a, a, a straw man for what you think the business model is. And I do like the fact that you're flexible and you're realizing it's going to change, but you should be saying right now, I think this is the way that this will ultimately be a self-sustaining, ideally revenue generating, profit generating company. Mm-hmm. Then what I want you to do is back into how will I know if it's doing it or not? <laughs> and you have to then figure out a way to capture those metrics. Yes. You can't go by feel, especially with something like this. Yeah. So for example, if the business model, I'm, I'm going to do something simplistic, which I realize may not be exactly right, but just to make it more understandable, if not for you, than for anyone else who's listening or watching. If the model is that this works because people, we, people register uh, and then people buy things and uh, somehow that translates into revenue, which you get, either you get uh, referral links from Amazon that someone says, I need a toaster and they click on the toaster and then you get $3 from Amazon for that going through. Fantastic. But then what you have to be doing is doing this metric and you go, what would be the key metric to tell me this is truly working? And a simplistic one is being able to recognize how frequently that happens and recognizing the secondary metrics behind that, which is for an individual registrant how often does one of their gifts get purchased for them? What needs to be the ratio of registrant to other people that they invite to look at their profile and the things they want? Mm-hmm. It's a very, very complicated environment that you have. It sounds, it's a sure. simple externally, like, oh, it's people who are hurting and they want their friends and family to help them. But it's really complicated in terms of how someone comes in who is someone who's going through a breakup how they reach out and invite, how effective is those invites in terms of getting people to the site, how often when they come to the site and successfully buy something for somebody in a way that generates you revenue. And you've got to nail that down to, I kind of call it, there's usually one dominant metric which will tell you it's working or not. Right. And off the top of my head, I'm not sure I can help you piece it together, but I know that it's somewhere in in that stack of how often someone comes and clicks yes. a referral link. Um, and once you have that, that becomes what every day you go to bed every night thinking about, <laughs> what can I try tomorrow to increase that number? Right. Because then you'll get into these secondary ones. You'll go, oh, the problem is each person only invites 15 people. That's not enough. So then you begin thinking about strategies to get them to invite more. A certain number, yeah. Or you go, this person didn't create enough items. We make it easier for them to create the refer. I mean, I, again, I haven't, uh, I, I try to come into these sessions cold, so I have not spent time going over yeah. your site and seeing how hard it is to do it or not do it. Mm-hmm. But once you recognize that dominant metric, um, it's very, very clarifying for you about each week, hoping you can make that number go up and up and up and up and up. That's probably the biggest advice I can give you. Now I'm going to give you a secondary one, which is one that when I heard the idea 
it immediately hit me on the head, and I'm sure everyone else has beat you up about it, which is that most businesses have a dynamic where you make most of your revenue on repeat business, not on... Bingo. Yeah, and, and <laughs> this is hopefully not something that people go through over and over and over and over again. And what you want is ideally that. I'm not saying it has to be. You know, basically sites which help you buy a car um, only are used once by, the, by an individual once every so-and-so years. But they're the exception rather than the rule. The better rule is, is a site like a Yelp where you find you need to use it, you know, several times a month at least. And yours is going to, feels like be more on the outer one that you're going to do all this effort, like you said, to find people. Right. And then you're going to extract some value, not to be cynical here, but <laughs> you're going to help them in some way. There's a better way to put it. In, ex in, in exchange in a mutually, services. <laughs> a mutually rewarding manner. <laughs> right. Uh, and then you're never going to see them again, hopefully, because they're, they've found true love. Right. Well, and that's what I'm trying to change, you know, because that's you don't know how to build towards the metrics you're looking for and how to get repeat clients until you build it. Right. You've got to at least get the product made. Um, so like I said, I'd been studying Honey Fund and I knew originally they were just people can fund their honeymoons. That's what they were built for. But then they branched out into a full wedding scope so people could fund different experiences. So they got different partners on the site to really focus on experiences. Um, so, you you know, you have this couple that's going to Italy for their honeymoon and they can actually just buy certain dinners or things along their journey. So I liked the poignancy of that and I'm really skilled with brand partnerships. So there's a big piece of it there, but then um, again, wanting to be able to build out this subscription model was something I really had to speak to the audience, test what they're looking for and figure out what would actually keep them here. Would, would it keep them on this train if they knew eventually something would lead them to maybe a platform that would help them get connected to somebody new down the line? You know, and like I said, filling that gap. You've got to, you've got to back up here. Fundamentally, it has to work for them. Mm -hmm. And at the simplest level, at least the initial one, work for them means that someone helps them. Yeah. Which is why, again, you don't need to use this metric as the primary one, but before you begin figuring out brand partnerships and all that stuff, start with the simplest thing. Is anybody willing to help someone who's gone through a breakup? Right. You know, <laughs> and in terms of minimal viable product, that's your minimal viable product. I want a toaster. Is someone willing to buy me a toaster? Mm -hmm. Well, if someone's willing to buy me a toaster, fantastic. Now let's try uh, the next piece. Now let's try the next piece. Now will you send me on a vacation? Whatever you think. Right, eventually. It starts from the validating that fundamentally, emotionally, someone who comes in can, A, come in. And I believe that. I believe you'll attract people. But number two is, will they actually invite people to help them? And but the big one for me is, will they help them? And you've mm -hmm. got to measure that. And if you, in fact, are stumbled onto something, and you're going, wow, look at this. They're clicking on the toaster every single time. Boy, then you're off and running. So you go, gosh, maybe we could figure out maybe different. Maybe it becomes a toaster site. <laughs> yes, it's toasters is the beginning, but it becomes this huge mm -hmm. other thing. 
But if you spend your time building out this whole catalog of other things, but the fundamental emotional thing of it is flawed, that people are not, I'm not it, going back to what I started with, which is, well, why am I going to buy? I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, when you get married, call me. <laughs> but I don't know what'll happen. I, and, and we, no one knows what'll happen. It's a great idea. But until you demonstrate conclusively that people are literally willing to pull out their wallet and help you, if that's fundamentally the model, it's not going to work. And once you realize, even if you realize they don't do it, it's fantastic. Then abandon that and say, okay, now this is going to be a referral site for uh, counseling and all the, all these secondary things. You'll still have this problem, which is that your lifetime value will be very short because the people are only in this circumstance. Hopefully, I mean, how long can you milk being, I mean, how long can you milk it for? Again, right. using these cynical terms, I don't mean to be, be negative. It's, it's genuinely, but if someone's still crying about this thing five years later and saying, <laughs> I, Hey, I need a new kitchen remodel. Hey, I broke yeah. up. I need a new car. Yeah. I'm still it's sad like, about there, there is some reasonable time. You know, gosh, you get left at the altar. I, my heart goes out to you. Let, what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Six months later, a year later, two years later, what would be considered in most businesses a reasonable lifetime value, a couple years, that even that's a weak one. Mm -hmm. That would be unbelievably good if people were still yeah, it's, doing that. You know, for me, it's really kind of taking, you know, this idea here kind of stems from this wedding industry, right? Yeah, yeah. That didn't exist before the De Beers and for, before they just decided to make it this huge industry. You know, it's huge. Um, but that's kind of the same thing. You have these companies like the Knot, like Honey Fund, where people come in to celebrate this giant, you know, but You're disrupting union. it in a beautiful way, but prove it. Mm -hmm. Right. There, it's hard because you're changing because, a mentality of but, people. Right, but it, it may not be real. It may not be possible. Mm -hmm. All might. these things that everyone comes up with, <laughs> I'm totally willing to, I'm not going to say it won't work. I'm just willing to say it's a very good chance it won't work. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negative thing at all. No. The, 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 if you're lucky, then you're right. It's like weddings. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to 20 years from now go, Natasha, oh my God, she's the one who invented the whole breakup industry. Because now there's cruises and there's venues and there's catering and there's photography for your breakup. And you go, it all started with you. But be open to the fact that there's a reason it doesn't work because there's all these other fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Here's one more thing that I, I thought about. Not one more thing, but since I can't help but spinning on this, the lifetime value may not be the person, the breakupper, could be the donor. Right. That you might find that people are very, very willing to support people they don't know. And that people like, for some twisted emotional reason, uh, makes them feel good. Helping, that's a twist. That, that's not a twist. Boy, this is, a t I'm, I'm, re I'm really nervous about this because I'm coming off as looking like this complete uh, cynical. No. <laughs> it, it's, it's not at all, but I'm saying, it could actually be really kind of cool. These people who really like this fact of helping people that once you find one of them, then they are there for years right. donating to various people and then fine break up their, their value is a couple of months and then they, someone else comes in who they can help. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, you know, like I said, when I first was creating this, 
you know, I'm sitting in my parents' basement. I'm thinking, what could this become? You know, of course you go there in your mind. And then, you know, you rein it in. You think of the most basic thing. And that's why I'm really, really intrigued by and curious about who is using it and what they what they want to see. Um, because I'm flexible in my path. I've been like that in entertainment. Instead of having just one specific goal, I kind of have like a, a bubble of goals. And within that whole sphere, if I hit any of those edge points, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm like, I have, a, I have a bubble. I'm flexible. I never know who I'm going to meet that might pop that bubble and take me to another spot on the same playing field. So, <laughs> so at, at, at Netflix, uh, we, and not forget Netflix, at Netflix and almost every other country company that I've worked with, there is basic rule that anytime you talk about what you want to try, you spend probably one third of the time on what you want to try and two thirds on how you're going to measure it and know whether it worked or not. Mm -hmm. That's the piece that I want you to be more disciplined about. Right. Yeah. All these great ideas you have, you're trying to understand what customers want. What I want you to say is you'll start with, I wonder if they might want this. I'm going to try this. Then be very disciplined to go, how am I going to know if I'm right or not? If they actually do want this, what is the measurement for that? Because without that, you're just going to try lots of stuff and be going, is it good or bad? And it won't inform you in the deep way that deciding in advance what the measurement is and then once it begins to work, beginning to try and drive that number up. It's a really, really, really good discipline for someone who's in the searching phase. And even when once you're in the, not in the searching phase, it's valuable, but it's especially valuable now when you're in the searching phase. Yeah, it's that testing of the value and the growth hypotheses of this company, and which is the phase that I'm living in right now as I'm trying to hit this product market fit spot. But I know that even when you hit that, you're always creating new hypotheses about what's going to work and testing those too. I mean, it's just, building. I just want you to give me a definition of numerically what product market, how you'll know what yeah. product market fit is. Please. What is, I don't, I don't know. Oh, how I know. You're going to, um, you don't, you might not know either, but I want you, it's, you don't even know, don't tell me now. <laughs> I just want you to finally come up and write it down and go, what I'm really trying to do is create this dynamic. Whereas this thing happens but not in this abstract descriptive way, mm -hmm. in a mathematical way, in a numerical way. And you're in a, you're in a weird business where the business model is not going to be a traditional one. You're not a SaaS business where I can say, oh, it's as simple as your cost to acquire a customer and your lifetime value and the relationship between those two things and the time to recover with all these standard metrics. You don't have that stuff. You have to figure out some new metrics, but every SaaS company, it's, it, it's all numerical. If you ever get to the point you want to be pitching investors, it's all numerical mm -hmm. and it will really help. I know you, you, I know you have them. I just want you to yeah. recognize you're solving a math problem Well, in addition to solving a relationship problem. That's the tough part. I think that's why I'm getting gray hair on this one side of my head. Cause my <laughs> like, I am, I have a huge silver patch and I'm yeah. like, Oh, is that coming in? Cause my analytical side is just firing away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was funny because last year, you know, I think one thing that I do have that I know is helpful is um, I'm pretty fearless as a founder. I mean, I do stand up for a living, so I don't I don't choke up in front of people and I don't have imposter syndrome. 
Like, I just have gotten over that so long ago. Wherever I feel like I am, I'm like, well, that's where I am, so I belong there. Like, that's I thought it I'm... was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in this great position because I deserve to be in this position. Yeah, I mean, just it's where I am, so I guess I'm supposed to be here, right? And um, so last summer, I mean, I had just launched. I had no numbers at all yet. I didn't even know. I didn't know anything. Um, <laughs> what do we ever know? Um, <laughs> but I pitched to this investor investment team. I registered to pitch, went through a series of, you know, prep. They picked maybe 10 companies across the country to pitch. And they said, don't reach out. You know, we'll reach out to you if we're interested. And I didn't even try to make her laugh during my four minute pitch, but I guess just the story and the way that I explained it, she was dying laughing. I wasn't even trying to be funny. And um, they called me two weeks later and they, they wanted to invest. So what has been cool about this is I know from the film and, and entertainment industry, you don't just get money and you're cool now. You know, you've got to make that into something that's going to now pay out the people that you've taken the money from. So we built this really beautiful relationship because I didn't take it because I said, let me make sure that the value Good. of what I think is going to be here is. And so we touch base all the time. They're in the know of exactly what I've been doing. And I want my company to have actual value for the people that want to be a part of it as a, as a customer and as an investor. And obviously for me and my time and my mental space, you know, you have to think of, think about all those things. So it's been cool to, be able to be a part of that honest journey and say, I want, you know, I'll know when it's time to invest. And I want my company to actually have the value that I would like it to have. So I'm not giving as much of it away. Um, so I'm going to answer your question from before. Yeah. About you are not ready to acquire more customers. Right. Because you don't know what you want yet. Mm -hmm. In other words, this, even the simple model that I gave you a few minutes ago, where I was go, wow, is the person that you're trying to attract the breakup E or is it the donor? Now, if I said, once you came back to me and said, it's amazing, we figured out that this is the challenge. Th and then, you know, then we can begin brainstorming how more clever and creative ways to do it. Right. And the second one is you might go, are there, you might learn, are there certain types of donors? Are there certain types of breakup E's that, in other words, don't begin acquiring more of something that you don't know you want yet. That's a good point. You probably, because of your vibrant social media, because of what you could do to encourage viral spread, you probably have enough people to continue to experiment on. You have a thousand people who've registered. You should be able to learn a lot. And once you begin to understand those things, then the other piece is doing the math, like I was saying, getting some more great hairs over there. <laughs> Uh, helping you understand specifically what you can afford to spend mm -hmm. to acquire a customer. Yeah. Uh, and that's hugely dependent on your margin times your lifetime value, times your lifetime. Let's get your lifetime value. Mm -hmm. And then your customer acquisition cost is a piece of that. But until you have some sense of that, which is how many toasters they buy, if that ends up being the model, what the percentage of people who end up being referred to someone and what their kickback is still right. to be determined. You have so far to go so to discover much. the economics that don't grow. So I applaud you not taking the money <laughs> or at least not taking the money on those pretenses. You could raise money as long as someone's fully bought into the fact that we're taking a big risk here. 
we think there's a lot of people with this problem. We don't know yet how to solve it and how to monetize for it yet. And if you're on that journey with me, let's do it. But but pitching someone that you figured something out when you haven't is equally dangerous. Oh, absolutely. And that was one of the buttons that we tested. So when we launched, I created that I'm breaking up button. There's two sides of the page. So it's this, um, you know, kind of playful. I love the branding. I'm really happy with how that turned out. But it says I'm breaking up. And then the other button says I'm supporting a newly single friend. That's a test button. So that doesn't let you create a registry for your friend right now. It allows you to look up a registry that somebody already made, kind of like you would for a wedding registry. So this is the thing. A lot of people I'm sorry to keep beating you up. This is the thing I'm talking about is Mm -hmm. if the fundamental model is going to be referral, make a simple way to do a referral Mm -hmm. just so you can see whether actually someone pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. All right. You're, you're, you, I've, 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 I don't want to gray up the other side of your head either. (laughs) Um, And for those people who are just listening, no gray hairs. We're just, uh, this is all symbolic. (laughs) Um, uh, but listen, I, I really hope you can make this work because I know there are a lot of people who need this. So you, you've got a, you have my support and I, this is one of the few products that I hope I never need to use. <laughs> I hope so too, so, for your sake. <laughs> well, best of luck, Natasha. And listen, let's check in again, I don't know, six months, a year. And, and I really want to hear uh, what you've discovered. And uh, you're going to promise though to lay into me and go, Here's what I now know who the customer is and how much they spend and how much the, what the models are. Done. And we'll go from there. Perfect. All right. Well, good luck, <laughs> Natasha. Thanks. Thank well, I know for a fact that some of the most interesting companies come out of personal experience. So I'm actually quite curious to see what Natasha comes up with. And hey, if you want to join me on the show, please come to the website to apply. You'll also find links here to sign up for my newsletter as well as get an invitation to the new That Will Never Work Discord. And if you like the show, hey, subscribe so you don't miss an episode.